And God, we come to you this morning with a resounding hallelujah on our lips because you have come to set us free. Death has lost its grip on me. And that is through the work of your son on the cross and through the work of your Holy Spirit renewing us day by day, sanctifying us. And so we just, we come before you every day, but once a week we come together to lift up your name publicly, to praise your name, to worship you for who you are. And so we just dedicate this morning, this time of singing, this time of reading your word, a time of learning from your servant, Brandon. And so God, we just, we just thank you. We love you. We praise you for who you are and what you've done and what you will continually to be faithful to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And let's uh, check out what's coming up in the life of Life Community Church. Good morning. I'm Matt Williams, Groups Director here at Life Church. You know, we gather in groups to help us grow closer to Jesus and grow closer to each other. And as we move into fall, we're focused on family. Moms and dads, we have some special training coming your way. I'd like to invite you to a couple parenting classes that I'll be teaching in October. The classes will be held on Sundays during our second service. And the first class is for parents of children up to 10 years old. And the second class, the following week, is for parents of preteen and teenagers. I'll be sharing how we, as parents, can focus on heart transformation rather than just behavior modification. You know, you can sign up for these classes at the Connection Booth right after service. And speaking of parents and family and friends, it's all part of the mix. As I say, save the date, October 29th, for our Family Fall Fest here at the church. I want you to bring the whole family, invite your friends and your neighbors as we transform our parking lot into a fall fest with games and costumes, lots of family fun, and of course, lots of candy. It's October 29th from 4 to 6.30 p.m. Now next up, speaking of a great event to invite family and friends to, it's tonight, our family night. We'll have dinner together right here, play games together, and then for a brief time, we'll split up as Pastor Brandon and his wife Jenna will coach moms and dads on how to talk to your kids about healthy sexuality, while the kids will be off with CJ hearing a timely message on God's purpose for their lives. And then we'll come back together for dessert. It's all tonight from 4 to 6.30 p.m., and we'd love to know that you're coming. You can RSVP right after service at the Connection Booth or text 805-330-3744. You know, our groups and these family and friend events, they all underline our vision. The reason we exist is for people to experience new life through Jesus Christ by helping them know God, grow in relationship with God and others, and to go make disciples. And all of this is possible because God is using His people, you, to move His kingdom work forward. So I want to thank you for your financial gifts. You know, it's your faithful and consistent giving that helps each of us grow closer to Jesus, sometimes through events like I just mentioned, or through the many groups that gather each week, ministries like our children's ministry, youth, adult, and recovery groups, plus it's these gatherings that equip us to go outside this building and take the message of Jesus into our community. Your support does that. And if you have your gift with you this morning, you can drop it in one of the black letter boxes here in the worship center, also at the connection booth, and there are different ways to give digitally and online. And finally, if you're new here, welcome. We'd love to connect with you. You can use the connection card that's located on the back of some of the chairs here in the worship center. Also at the connection booth or use your phone and text the word connect to 805-330-3744 and we'll respond. Oh, and by the way, this is important. The connection card can also be used to submit a prayer request. We'd love to know how we 
the elders, and our prayer team can pray for you. You know, there's more information on all of these things right there in your bulletin, also online and at the Connection booth. Hey, I pray that you'll experience the love of Jesus as we worship Him together in music, through pastors' teaching of God's Word, and the time we get to spend together. And I trust that we'll all be better equipped to take the love of Jesus into our families, neighborhoods, schools, and workplaces. We are glad that you're part of this morning's service as we continue to worship Jesus together. Welcome, I'm Pastor Brandon. I get to serve as the lead pastor here, and this is my wife, Jenna. And we're stoked, pumped, excited to be hanging out with you tonight. And Jenna was so excited. She's like, I got to come share a little bit and then read scripture before you preach. So he actually asked me, so <laughs> I like my version better, but we'll go with hers. So, <laughs> so we just want to invite all of our parents out there. I think a lot of times when parents hear that we're going to be talking to you guys about how to talk to your kids about sex, um, they think, uh, like, I have babies and toddlers. This is not for us yet. And we are actually going to say the opposite. All of uh, you young parents out there, this is for you. Um, this is a topic we're super passionate about because as parents, we really strongly believe that our number one job is to disciple our kids. And a big part of that is helping them to know and believe and understand a biblical view of their sexuality. And we are raising kids in a very... Um, scary world <laughs> and everything that they hear at school with friends on TV on the radio everything that is being taught to them um, from the world is pretty much the exact opposite of what God has to say about sex right and so we just want to share with you guys um, some practical ways to have conversations with your kids about sex about who they are how God created them and um, starting from babies and toddlers and beyond. So we have some resources we are going to point you to. We're going to share from just our experience in years of youth ministry. We've had all of the talks. And long before we had our own kids, we realized this is an area that parents are really missing the, missing the mark. And we're missing that opportunity from the time our kids are born to help instill this in them. Because we're getting these kids as teenagers in our ministry, and they are so lost, and there's a lot of brokenness and hurt and shame, and we want to help equip you as our church family the best we can to raise our kids to really know who God is and who they are, and uh, sexuality is a big part of that. And so we just invite you to come tonight. Come listen. Come learn. We're going to have fun with our kids. We're going to play games, but then we're going to get some um, time to talk about that with you guys. And then I get to read. I get to read the scripture for today. It is from John 17, 17, and it says this, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And flipping over to Romans 6, 20 through 23. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. So as we gather, some of you guys are wondering what's going on, and all of a sudden we're talking about stuff as family that maybe you've never heard at church before. Um, as a youth pastor and as someone who's like, if I read the Bible and God tells us to follow the Word, then we, shouldn't we do it? And if you read the New Testament, the outline, because I never read a book in high school because I was a tech guy and I, I was visu visual, and I learned there's this website called SparkNotes. Why would you read a book? They just outlined it told you what you needed to read, and you didn't have to spend all that time. You could go play and surf and be outside. And so I just would read the spark notes. So the spark notes of the New Testament is everything God told the Israelites to do, they followed the world and sinned 
physically, sexually, ideologically, and the New Testament, the outline of each book saying, hey, this is your growth. You're supposed to look like Jesus. You're set apart. Who are you worshiping now that you believe in God? Who are you sleeping with? That was it, and it was family instruction. Every New Testament book you read. Galatians, you have to wait till the fifth chapter. We'll get to that. But it's the same thing. He's like, what are you doing? Why did you stop following Jesus? And by the way, look at all these sins you kept doing. And it always deals, once again, because as we know our culture, we're back into perverting what God created in his image, male and female, for the purpose of having babies. And that gift that God gave and Satan came and distorted it. So as we sit here today, where is your heart this morning? Where's your heart? Maybe it's been a minute since you slowed down enough to realize, man, my heart. Maybe it's a little hurt. Maybe it's a little overwhelmed. Maybe it's, it's thirsty. Maybe you're looking for something and it's just not satisfying. Because every time you find whatever that is, you fill in the blank, it's not it. And you're just, ah, oh, I thought it was enough, but it's not. What's coming out of your mouth? I'll never forget hearing Jesus say, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. Maybe this past week you're like, man, that, my heart actually needs to be some, some cleaning. What's consuming your mind? What's your heart telling your mind to think about? What's your heart telling your, your schedule to be controlled by? Is it getting one more thing done, or is it putting in more hours here, or getting this thing accomplished, and is that the thing that's supposed to bring you that, that joy or satisfaction? As we look at Jesus' prayer in John 17, and he says, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. How is God's word going to set us apart for service? It's this powerful truth that we look at, and, and the bottom line is to be fully controlled by God's love that your life brings him glory. That we're set apart and we're fully controlled. That our heart would today, you'd be like, I desire God's kingdom. And everything I'm doing and thinking and desiring is all for God's glory and, and the purpose of leading, serving, loving my family, and then the, my church family and my community, and I'm all about that all the time. That's the goal, and that's the bottom line, is that God's love would control us entirely, filling our life and exalting his name, bringing his name glory which we talked about week one of our, our series, No Girl Go, that we're persuading others' opinions about God. That's what it means to give him glory. As we know him, that brings us salvation. Then we talked more about that. How do we know God? How that relationship with him? And then last week we talked about this, this sanctification, being set apart in community and oneness with God. And today we're going to be talking about the, the goal is this process of growth that God would transform our thoughts desires and actions to Christ's likeness. And number one, our goal, you see in Ephesians 1, he, Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, starts the outline. Number one, God planned your salvation. Number two, Jesus accomplished your salvation. Dying on the cross, rising from the grave, and number three, the Spirit sealed your salvation. You don't have to worry about it, you don't have to work for it, and you don't have to fear you're gonna lose it. It's done, it's taken care of. The work's accomplished, and you get the gift. And so as we talk about this growth, there's these three phases that the Father, Son, Holy Spirit work out in us. And then there's our current state of the old man and the new man. And how does that work? So as we look at the goal, it's interesting because if our goal is to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be holy, blameless, not having this hint of sexual immorality that Paul tells the church in Ephesus, there's not even supposed to be a hint, a thought, a blemish of any kind of taking what God gave to a husband and a wife outside of that relationship. There's not even supposed to be that, and that's in the church. Currently, 70% statistics say of the church struggles with pornography. Pastor after pastor continue to fall, and guys that are older are like, man, I keep coming up against this. It's because of pastor, Christian, we're all the same. And we all desire. We have this old and new man we're desiring. We're replacing. And so the goal is to not have a hint of anything worldly in us that we'd all 100% be about Jesus. And some of you are like, that's, where did we, how do I get that? How is that process? It's, it's interesting because it's for the glory of God. And so anything that's not glorifying God really doesn't have a place in the Christian's 
home or heart. And you know this if you have kids. It's like, my friends want to do this, or I want to watch this movie, or I want to listen to that. And we're like, oh, it's hard because you're a kid, and you don't really understand all of the ramifications. And, and you hear this song, and then that leads to this and this, and it's a slippery slope. And I always loved that analogy when you talk about growth in your own life and, and the reality of this mom who, who baked brownies for her kids every day after school as a snack, and the kids loved them. Every Thursday they got brownies. Thursdays were brownie days. And so then she was trying to teach her kids about this spiritual growth idea, and she said, hey, tomorrow I'm going to make the brownies, but I think I'm going to try something. And they're like, all right, whatever. So they come home, and it's Thursday, and they're hungry for the brownies and milk, and it's set out, and she's like, whoa, 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 and they grab them before they shove them in their mouth. It's like, before you eat it, before you eat I just, remember that thing I said, yeah, whatever, mom. They go, oh, stop, you got to hear what I did. I just did a little something, not, not too big, didn't change the ingredients all that much. I just, just took a little bit of the poop, dog poop, and put it in there. I thought, you know, same color, it's no big deal. You won't, it's just a little bit, all right? You won't even taste it, and the kid's are like, mom, what? Are you kidding me, poop? It's like, hey, it's just a little bit. Like, a, you just tweezers, just grabbed a little bit. I just thought we'd try it just a little bit, because you wanted to watch that movie with your friend last weekend, and it was just a little bit of cussing, not much, and there's a little bit of nudity, not much, and you thought it was okay, so I put a little bit of, just a little bit of dog poop, it's not a big deal. And the kid goes to put it in, he's like, from the big dog or the little dog? <laughs> that's what we do though, right? Like, is it the big dog? Because that's nasty. The little dog, I don't know, little poop, maybe it's not that much. And we try and justify it. When God says, you were in sin, and then you were sanctified and justified, and you're going to be glorified. He's the one who justifies it. Why do we try and justify our sin? Is it just a little bit? Is it just one look? Is it just one thought? Is it just one covet? Oh, I want that and not being content. We read. The Holy Spirit seals us. And we see the goal is to be glorifying him, reflecting him, and to be conformed into his image. That's the goal. Then we see the three phases of this growth. It's positional, it's progressive, and it's perfect. So we see, as we follow Jesus, and we look at Scripture, and constantly, over and over, we see this word 56 times in the New Testament, saint, sanctification. What does that mean? What? It's to be set apart for a purpose, okay? In 1 Corinthians 1, 2, that the church in Corinth would have made Las Vegas look like daycare. I mean, it, it, they had the craziest stuff happening that, if Las Vegas was a church, in the culture and the things they allowed and the things they celebrated, that was going on. Paul's like, okay, we got, we got to send a letter. We got to send two. Some people think there's other letters that were sent to Corinth. There's so many issues going on, which always you know, gives me hope when I look at the New Testament. It's like they started these churches, and then every letter was, hey, you got this going on in your church. It's going on in our church today. It's still this growth. And he says, you're saints, in 1 Corinthians 1-2, those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, how are they saints? We look at that as the position. When they believe in Jesus, positionally, Jesus exchanges their sin-filled life with his sinless life, and boom, positionally, that's the first phase. You're good. You're justified. Jesus paid for your sin. Second, we see the, the progression in Romans 6 we read about. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin, have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. And it's end eternal life. The fruit, the day in, day out, the fruit that you bear. Interestingly, um, Paul was discipled by Jesus. So when Jesus taught in John 15... Guaranteed. Paul had that memorized and meditated on it. And Jesus said, I want you guys to abide in me and I in you. And in fact, if you, if you don't abide in me and I in you, as I'm the vine and you're the branch, then you'll bear no fruit. And so um, I went out and I got, I got a sweet vine and it's massive because I, I don't manage it. Confession. Got too much going on. So this like whole side of our fence is just covered in this grapevine. And I went to my neighbor's house behind us and they have Six vines that are perfectly manicured. I mean, you just see all the grapes, massive grapes. And I'm like, I wonder if I have any grapes. Because all it is is just, it's just like vines shooting off, you know, all these branches shooting off the vine. And so I dug down and I found this dead one. And, and it's exactly like Jesus said. This, 
has no purpose, and you look at it, and it's like, yep, just like the world, and it's going to head to destruction. But in there, there's a bunch, as you see on, on the floor here, like this is just full. When you see this, you're like, yeah, I'm all about that branch that's coming off the vine, because that branch has a ton of fruit on there. Because it's connected, the branch is connected to the vine. The interesting thing is, there's not just a few grapes on here, there's a bunch. So when Jesus says, you can do nothing unless you're abiding in me, you can bear fruit, you can do nothing. Literally, there's nothing going on here. But if you abide in me, then you'll bear what? Much fruit. Some people misquote that, and that much word is huge, especially for someone that's like, hey, do you want a car with the base? I'm like, where's the best package? I want all the bells and whistles every time. Like, I don't want a car just to drive down the road. I want it to make me a latte out of the glove box. Like, it's 2022. Like, I want at least five on tap, and then I can restock when I get somewhere. Like, what are we doing? So when he says much fruit, I'm like, yeah, if my life's committed to the kingdom, and I'm going to be bearing fruit, I don't want to just be loving people. I want to have gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I want to have much fruit. And that's why Jesus says, look, it's all about me, and it's always been about me, and the problem is you're in sin, and you're going to continue to, to be lied to, and you're going to feel like you're not going to measure up. So the sanctification starts positionally, and then it progresses, and that's why Jesus talks about that. It's a progression, and Paul's meditating on that, and Paul's saying, hey, church, remember, it's a progression. Positionally, you're good. You're saint. He accomplished the work. Now, progressively, every day you're going to grow. Every day you're going to look more like Jesus, and you're going to bear much fruit if you stay connected. That word, sanctify, hagiazo, that Paul uses is, is the definitive. It's, it's done. There's nothing you can do to earn it or undo it. It's finished. And in Romans 6, we're freed from the power of sin. We have this new life in Christ, so we're supposed to be under that under that control. We're not controlled by sin anymore. When we do sin, we're like, no, I, didn't, I shouldn't have done it. And we go back. And we go, Lord, I'm sorry I sinned. And that's the progression. You're like, wait, this is, un, this is unattainable. How am I supposed to work into perfection? You're not. God is going to be perfecting you. It's God's work. It's God saving you. It's God's work in and through you. That's why Ephesians 2 says you're God's workmanship. You're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that you're going to stay up awake at night stressing you might lose it. No, that you would walk in them. You just walk. You get the rest from the Lord and you walk in the power of the Lord to do the works of the Lord for his glory and his purpose. And we're new creation. And that's the, the perfect, the promised sense is, is found in Hebrews. The author of Hebrews reminds us that when Christ had offered for all time, in Hebrews 10, verse 12, he offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God, in verse 13, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he made perfect for all time those who are being sanctified. This is the gospel we read every Sunday. Jesus said, hey, disciples, I'm going to die, rise again. They freaked out. Then we do communion to remind ourselves we're in sin, we need a Savior, and every day we're being sanctified. And he's like, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, I'm still going to die for you though. And Peter goes out, denies Christ three times, says a bunch of cuss words, F-bombs, whatever, just loses his mind. And then Jesus comes back and is like, hey, I told you I'd raise from the dead, Peter, let's reappoint you. You guys go tell everyone about me, you're going to die for me, except John, you're going to hang out on an island, I'm going to go sit down, like I'm exhausted. Three years of this. I've done the work. It's accomplished. And we hear that same message, but do we have the same grasp on that promise? That he sat down when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice. Last week I brought up the red heifers in Israel and everyone's loving the fact they can do sacrifices again. It's right there. Jesus sat down. No more need for sacrifices. The sin But the sacrifice covers past, present, future sin. The sanctification, the promise of that future glorification where we're sinless is coming is promised. And it's going to be accomplished only by God. And so we hold on to that promise and we realize it's definitive. Positionally, we're sanctified. We're set apart. It's God's growth process transforming our mind, our desires, 
and our actions to be like Christ. So as we experience that growth process of God transforming our thoughts, desires, and actions to be like Christ, daily, we look back and go, positionally, I'm like Christ, and the promise is I'm going to be like Christ without sin in heaven, because for one single offering, he made perfect for all time, past, present, future, those who are being sanctified. It's his work. Some people might think, oh man, when I become a Christian, like I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to become someone I'm not. Like I gotta learn the Hebrew and the Greek and do this thing. No, you're probably really good at serving. Like you're a phenomenal gifted servant and you can administer things and line things out and coordinate things way better. Whenever we try and do events, I'm like going every which way and thinking it's like it finished in my mind. Like what about this detail? I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good, someone should, can we, any admins around here want to help like coordinate things? We need that and and care, and bedside manner when people are passing away, loving and supporting them, and, and kids and youth ministry, that takes a whole bunch, and then we need like reserves when people are sick or out of town to fill in. Like there's so much that goes into caring for a body, and once you have kids, you're like, man, I thought we were busy before. Now we're like running every which way, trying to take care of kids and family and see in-laws and grandparents, and there's a lot that goes into caring for a family. That's why Jesus says, you're the body. You're a family. Care for one another. And it's using your gifts that God's put in you, using your personality that God gave you. And it's that reality that you're not going to be finding perfection through your work. That's why Paul sits down as if he would, just sitting us down for coffee and is like, hey, how's it going? It's going good. And Paul says, hey, you know, this past week I didn't do the thing I, I was supposed to do. I didn't read my Bible every week. What, Paul? Are you kidding me? You wrote the Bible. How'd you not? And he's like, yeah, and you know the thing I... Uh, I knew I should have done, I didn't do that either. I did the thing I knew I shouldn't do, and I didn't do the thing I knew I should have done. And that's my, I'm always like, I know I should share, and the Holy Spirit's like, you better share about Jesus with him. And I'm like, oh, if I run fast enough, maybe out of the court, he won't, oh, he saw me, I got stuck, you know, and you're like, oh, I, no, I need to do the thing God told me to do. That's the daily working out your salvation. And, and Paul tells the, the church in Philippians, you work out your salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's God working in you. Going back to the middle, the, the process, every day being sanctified, God working in you because positionally you're good and, and promised you're going to be in heaven good, but in the day-to-day, -day, he's working in you for his good pleasure. God's working in us, not to be suspended by our lack of work or suspended because we can't keep up with God's work or God's trying to keep up with our work. No, it's God's working and it's us allowing. And so we come to this place where, like Peter talks about in 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that it may grow, that you by it may grow up into salvation. Do you long for, do you desire what is your heart desiring today? Are you desiring God's word? Are you going, man, it's been a busy season. I really need to get in God's word. Are you going, man, I really, there's just, I need wisdom. I need to just sit with the Lord and be filled up with God's word. Because Jesus prayed that in John 17. You'd be sanctified by God's word. Are you desiring that? Paul, Peter's saying you better be desiring God's word to be sanctified, which is what Jesus prayed for in John 17. 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Grow in that grace. Grow in that grace. I don't, I don't know how you look at Sundays, but there's always that temptation. And for me being like every Sunday I'm on, I'm always like, man, Lord, I've I haven't been sick on a Sunday, and so where's Wood shooting? Knock, you know, and I'm always like, how did you do that? Like, I I get to plan, prepare, and preach, and and I wonder, as I study church history, I've been blown away. They used to put time in during the week, and they'd preach for two hours, and then another preacher would get up, but he'd pray for two hours. He'd have a scripted prayer for two hours. I'm like, man, and then they do it again a couple times. It's like, that's two, four, six. I'm not good at math, but that's going on six to eight hours of there's no football, there's no, they got to figure out lunch somewhere in there, and what are the kids doing for eight hours? You know, that's two-hour prayer. 
And I, and I hear, it's like, dude, you got to be under 30 minutes or we're lost. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's on you. You know, when, when you get feedback at work, like, it's on the leader to give you feedback, but it's on you to know how to receive it. Like, we can't be, are we really raising that kind of bar? Are we lowering the bar, rather? And I wonder, I don't know. I mean, these letters aren't easy reads. And if they're not easy reads, how hard would it be, especially for a, a woman carrying the letter to read it and deliver it to a church and be like, all right, you guys better figure out your stuff. Like, I've, I have 1 Corinthians 2 to read next. So next week, we'll see you guys. Ready to go next week? We just read 1 Corinthians. Like, there's, there's so much in here because the early church is it, had the expectation that we should have. Jesus is coming tomorrow. No, he's coming at noon. Are we ready to go? We got some stuff to figure out if we're supposed to be sanctified when he comes. Are we ready? Are we going to stand before him and be like, man, you completed your perfect work. I'm ready to go, Jesus. Let's go, baby. I'm going home. Or are we going, uh, hide the, hide the stuff. Don't let him look in that cupboard. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't quite get to that yet, Lord. I'm sorry. I was a little distracted. I didn't grow in the grace, and I didn't grow in the knowledge. But I sure know a whole lot about the Patriots, man. And Tom Brady, he's kind of, we got to pray for him. Is that where we're at? Like, are we like, hey, Jesus, can I talk to you about this quarterback? I don't know. I, this fantasy thing, I thought it was a good pick, but he's not working out. Or are we growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Because spending time in Bible study, some of you are like, oh, okay, i got to spend time in Bible study. i got to do life group. CR wins that pure desire thing on Monday night. Like, i got a lot to figure out. And then you go through that. Maybe you're like, okay, I'll read Mark. It's the shortest gospel. It's quick. It's easy to read. You read it, and you're like, I did it. I read the Bible like the pastor said. And you yell at your kids, and you disappoint your wife, and you're blowing it at work. You're like, what? I thought I was going to grow in the grace and knowledge. Because it's not about your work. It's God's work in you, through you, his love pushing the sin out of you, revealing his work in you. Are you just allowing him to do that? And that is what the word will have its effect in you. Because it's always been about him, accomplishing his purposes for his glory. And so the tension, why does this not happen? You're like, okay, the goal is to look like Christ, think like Christ, act like Christ, and it's God's growth process of doing that as he sets me apart. A great goal and then there's three phases, I get it, I'm perfected positionally, and then it's a process, and then there's the promise for eternity, that's wonderful, three steps, boom, boom, boom. I'm loving it, Jesus is sitting down at the right hand of God, then why am I still, like Paul said, doing the things I know I shouldn't do? And why am I still not doing the things I'm so passionate about doing and gifted and called to? Because our old self and our new self that Colossians 3 talks about, and as we see this, this picture of, of my daughters, I, I love it because uh, you can't really see in the background, but they're stinking cute on the foreground, right? The, the subjects of the photo are awesome, but the, the background is one of those massive storms we had several years ago. We don't have them anymore, so it's kind of a relic of California Central Coast history. But the whole bay of Morro Bay was full of waves. There were surfers everywhere. And as a dad, I was like, man, positionally, I'm a surfer, but today I'm a dad, and I'm on the shore, and I want to be out there just catching waves everywhere. Um, and so we took that photo, and, and you can't really tell. It's in the background. And so much of our growth, you see these snapshots, and you don't know how crazy that day was. You don't know how crazy that storm or that season was, but you just see a snapshot of your growth. And then you see this photo, and you're like, wow, they're, they're cute, but... Again, the background's a little sunnier, but that's four days. If you've ever done youth soccer, that's the worst day of the season. You're standing in the sun waiting to get your photo taken for like a second, and it takes four hours, and all these people are yelling at you as if it's like you're like breaking the law, robbing a bank or something. Like, what are you doing making mud? The kids are like, I don't know. You told me to stand in the grass. We have cleats on them. Eight years old. Like these poor kids. This is like child abuse. But that's a great cute photo. Wonderful. Yay. That's so much of our life. We're like, I just want that. I just want sanctification like that. I just want it to be pretty, cute. I just want to be growing. But you don't get to see all the videos I saw, which would be hilarious. You'd be on the ground rolling like I was last night as Jenna's showing me this whole catalog of videos of, of their growth when I was at work. You know, and it's nap time and there's a fit and you took my frozen dress. Oh, how could you? And it's like, dude, I don't even know if I can get my voice to be that scary and demonic and dark. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> Did you have to do an exorcism while I was at work? Like, I didn't hear about that. Like, is that where all the olive oil went that day? Like, what happened? I'm like, what? And you don't see the growth. 
And that's what we do every Sunday. How are you? Oh, I'm great. It's great. Yeah, right. Your week was horrible. And it's, it's, it's so sad. We, as a family, and when's the last time you called your, oh, hey, Dad, I, don't, oh, I just don't know if I could talk to you. I, can you help me change my oil? No, you're like, hey, Dad, I got this issue. You're really good at cars. Can you help me change my oil? But in the church, we don't do that. We don't go, hey, dude, you're really good at this. I'm not. I'm stuck. I'm jammed up. Can you help me? Can you pray for me? I lost my job. I need to change jobs. I'm looking for a job. We don't run to the church. We're always like, ah, let's go on Google. Let's throw up Indeed. I don't. Instead of, hey, church, here's what's up. I'm behind on credit cards. Hey, church, I blew it. Hey, church, you got to pray for me. A, maybe we don't have a life group. We don't have a Bible study. B, we don't view the pastor as, as one of us. It's like, I'm holier than you. I'm not. I'm being sanctified too. But the, the beautiful thing is, I got to brag on the church a little bit as we're old and new. I walked into this role and I'm like, hey, Lord, there's some crazy churches out there. Like, if you bring me to a church, I don't really want a crazy one. Like, I'm not that strong. I don't know if I can handle that. Because this other pastor friend jumped into a church and he had a church split because they wanted to move a couch. Now, this couch, it was back east and it, they had a couch outside, like, patio area. And they're like, you cannot move the couch. That's where it goes. So, like, on the patio and negative degree weather, like, we want community. We can't have a couch out there. It was this huge drama. I was like terrified. I'm like, I'm going to a church. Like, what, what kind of couch drama do they have? Like, where are we going to go? And in the first meeting, they pull out this plan for the front yard. And they had all the money. And they had, here's what we're going to do. Here's this. And I'm like, that's great. But we need kids. We need youth. We need Bible studies. We need men's, women's. Like, this other stuff is a priority. And then COVID hit. We got to go online. That's not even a thought at the point, at the moment. So I'm like, sorry, guys. But maybe we put that down to you know, priority number two or three, and then it obviously went down to priority number 100, right? Like way down there. And there's a couple comments here, there, but nothing. Like there was no like, oh, I don't, because God had matured the church to a place where it's like, you're right, the priority is to reach people who've not been reached yet. We want to care for families. We want to care for kids. We want to reach our community. And when the front yard gets done, it gets done. And thankfully, we were able to move some things, and we got the wall out and a gaga ball pit set up for tonight's family night and other stuff. And we got some stuff ordered for the front yard, so they're excited to move on that. But God's timing is so slow, and it's, it's relational, and you don't know until all of a sudden there's a church split. And you don't know until you get that phone call and someone's yelling at you, and you're like, what happened? And it's those little things over time that you're not surrendering to the Lord and saying, okay, make me reflect you, God. And what are you calling me to do? And as a church, what are you calling us to do? Because the interesting thing is it's the old self and new self. But then when you put a bunch of old self people in the room, it's going to be insane and chaotic and there's going to be a couch issue that's going to divide us. But if we're all saying, you know what, I put the new self on and the old self is out, then we're going to come together and go, you know what, I, I mean, I really like the couch outside when it's raining and snowing, but I get maybe we should bring it inside for the new mom to sit on and not be freezing cold in the snow. You know, I'll, I'll let my priorities or opinions kind of be secondary. It's like if, if God invited you to dinner and he said, hey, I want to have dinner with you, and, and here there's a dress code, so there's, there's a package. You're like, okay, cool. And you get the package, and you throw it to the side because you're stressed out. You're not like me. You're like, what am I going to wear? i got to have it laid out. I'm like, dude, I'll just, there's a package coming. We'll check out what's in the package. And you've already got your, your, your stitching machine, your sewing machine out, and you got the fabric, and you got your favorite dress, and you're trying to hem that, and you're doing this over here and this over here, and you're making this this suit or this dress, and you get it all done up, and then in the craziness of it all, you didn't even open the package. So you show up to dinner, and God's like, what are you doing? You're like, dude, this is my dress. This is my suit. Can you believe it? I got these, these boots are awesome. These things are great, and this is this old one pant leg, and this pant, I made it all together. I stitched it all up, and he's like, you spent how many hours doing that? I don't know. I lost track. It was like months. I heard about this dinner. I was so excited. Did you look at the package I gave you? Well, oh, yeah, I was too busy. What was it? That was the dress. That was the suit. I already gave it. I did all the work. I, it's, it's perfectly sized for you, and you won't wear it because you're trying to work. You're trying to look like Christ. You're trying to figure out what part you can do and what part you can't and, and how you can kind of make it work and fit and, and make the old new. You can't do it. Stop. Don't put on the old self. Leave it alone. You're not obliged to it anymore. It's like this. Why in the world would I take this and put it in the ground? There's no life left in it. The only purpose is to start a fire. That's why Jesus said, this is going to be thrown into the fire. 
And he said, look, you need to abide in me and I in you, and then you'll bear much fruit. And Paul's meditating on that and says, look, what are you doing? What fruit did you get doing those old works? There was nothing that you were producing. It was all selfish. You were all self-absorbed. And we see in 2 Corinthians, he's like, your new self's in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Old is gone and new has begun. Romans 6, are we killing off the old self, the old Adam, and being alive to Christ? We see in, in Ephesians, putting on the new self, Ephesians 4, building up the body of believers, serving one another. You know, as, as, as Christians and new creatures, we're not sinless. We still struggle. We still fail. I heard a quote the other day, failure is not an option. Failure is essential. And I love it because I fail all the time. It's like, sweet, great verbiage for growing in Christ. We're going to mess up, and there's grace and mercy new every day. And we're going to keep pursuing Christ. I don't want to mess up. I don't plan to. I don't desire to. But it's inevitable. And in that light, we need to remind ourselves and believe two things. One, we need to believe what God says about Jesus. That's the most important one. And then two, what God we need to believe what God says about you in Christ Jesus. So do we believe what God says about Jesus? That's why Jesus said, I pray that they would know you and know me and have eternal life. That was Jesus' first point we talked about. Second point was that they'd be sanctified. They'd read your word and see that your word is me. Jesus is the word. And, and here's things that our new identity means to us. I'm the light of the world. I'm a child of God. I'm Christ's friend. I'm chosen and appointed by Christ to bear his fruit. I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a joint heir with Christ. I'm a temple, a dwelling place of God. I'm a member of Christ's body, new creation, a saint. I'm God's workmanship. I'm hidden with Christ in God. I'm chosen and dearly loved. I'm a son, daughter of light, not darkness. I am the enemy of the devil. I'm victorious. I'm born again. I'm alive with Christ, and I'm more than a conqueror. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. Do you wake up every morning when your feet hit the floor going, I'm, I'm one of God's daughters. I'm one of God's sons. I'm a friend of God and an enemy of Satan, and he's trembling because I'm up, and I'm going to be building God's kingdom and regaining lost ground back from the enemy. When we think about that, we don't achieve our new life. We've already received it. Are you just too busy to open the package of sanctification, of that set-apart life and put on the new dress or the new suit that God's already done the work to give you and wear it. Colossians 3 says, we've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So when we think about that, in verse 3 of Colossians 3, for we've died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. In Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When you think about that in, in verse or chapter five of Galatians, he gets to the end of it and he's like, hey, here's all the things that are, that are your old man that are tripping you up and you keep trying to justify and make work. And, he, and it's interesting because he, as he's, as he's talking about that, he lays out this whole list and then he gets to the fruits of the Spirit. And he says, when you're in sin, you're not in love. You're, you're, the fruits of the Spirit are not flowing out of you. And when you think about us being the branch and Jesus is the vine, when we're abiding in him and he's abiding in us, we're going to bear much fruit. The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those, those are all to benefit the church. Those are all to benefit others around you. You're not like, man, I'm so loving. I'm so glad I'm loving. I'm so self-controlled. This is so beneficial. Like, I never am like, oh, I'm so glad I'm self-controlled today. I'm always like, oh, I need to be more self-controlled because my family's going to benefit. If I have more control of my time, I can serve the church better, and I can be on time for my wife, and everyone's going to love it, but I don't get to just go play golf and surf however long I want. Like, I have to be more controlled and rein some of these desires in. And I can't just, you think about it, the spiritual war we're in, Renewing your mind with God's word. How many of you have read the Bible and fallen asleep? 
And then think about it. You can watch how many hours of TV. You can watch how many hours of football after football after football, and you're just like, eyes are wide open, glued, bloodshot going for it. You watch Lord of the Rings, all of the discography, and you're like, oh, there's another one that just started. There's a TV show. Let's watch it. Let's go. It's been three days. Who cares? I'll call him sick. I got one more sick day. And your eyes are wide open on a screen. You can go. Sometimes Jenna will walk out. Are you coming to bed? Oh, yeah, that project you asked me to get on, I just started doing research on the screen. It's like, yeah, it's one in the morning. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. You sit me down in my leather chair, get a latte going, and, and I'm out. I'm like snoozing. I'm like, oh, I got up early. Kids are quiet. I opened the word. How am I sleeping? How? The question comes back to where's your heart this morning? What's coming out of your heart? What's consuming your mind? What's controlling your time? As we put this on the screen, again, this wheel, it's a great dashboard for realizing, okay, if Jesus wants us unified, if he wants us connected as a body, who have we submitted to and said, you know what, I'm blowing it. Like Paul said, I, I know the things I ought to do and I'm not doing it. Hey, I'm doing, I'm doing the things I know I shouldn't do, and I'm not doing the things I should do. I need help. I need accountability. I need discipleship. And I don't know what I don't know. I'm an infant believer, and I need to grow. But who's going to walk me through it? Who's going to disciple me? Who's, who's my Bible study leader? Who's my life group? Or maybe you're saying, you know what? I've, I've grown as a believer, and I need to, you know, I had a conversation with a guy this week who moved into the area said, hey, I've, I've been the parent. I've been reproducing. When I got saved, I saw all these admin holes in the church. I want to come and help start some different things and put some steps before people to help them walk from that infant to the child phase and from the child phase to the young adult phase. And, and I'm like, perfect. That's the season of our church. We're talking about it. We're trying to do it. And, and sometimes we're failing at it, but we're still sticking to it and we're pushing forward because Jesus prayed for us to do it. And it, it takes the church going, hey, I'm an admin. Hey, I want to do that. Hey, I want to grow in that. Hey, I'm leading it. I want to do it for somebody. Who needs to be discipled? Plug me in with them. Who needs a life group? I'm going to lead one. Here's the thing is, the works of the flesh are evident, and they're, and they're sidelining the church. That's why discipleship, that's why talking about your spiritual growth is so important, because it brings it front and center. When you look out, do you see sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these, Paul says. He's like, I can go on and on. You're like, I think that's enough, Paul. That's, whew, that was a list. And then he jumps into, no, it's fruits of the Spirit. If you're putting off the old self, all those things, and you're putting on Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Right away, the world's going to peg you as off. Right away, you're going to be known as someone whose heart is controlled by something else. And as we close, and you look at that wheel, and you're like, hey, where am I today? I, 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 you know, our five main things we're committed to as a church to make disciples is, is having an exceptional Sunday morning worship service, pointing to Jesus, inviting you to believe in Jesus as your Savior, allowing him to grow you, with looking at our, our life groups. How are we growing during the week, and, and how do you get into a life group? And that's what I was talking about, some other classes and steps to help you grow. And then our kids and youth programs, and the last one is missions. And, and that's, we're on mission every day here, but what about those around the world? And and we forget, we forget, like I shared earlier, Jesus said, hey, you guys go tell the world about me and all of you are going to die except John. He's going to be on an island. And Peter's like, what? That's, that's not fair. What? And Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to go sit down on the throne. What is it to you, Peter? You go obey me. Okay, I'll go obey you, Jesus. And they went and did it. And they laid their lives down for it. What is it going to cost you tomorrow at work? Is it an email? What is it going to cost you with your, with your son or daughter? And here's the thing is, it's not just to be a good Christian and obey the past. No, it's, is your heart committed to doing what God's telling you to do? Dr. Livingston left behind this amazing legacy. He went to Africa, left Britain, and explored some amazing geographical, uh, had some amazing geography discoveries that were historical and, and left his name on those. But that's not what we remember him by. We remember because when he died, 
Britain wanted his body to bury him and have this whole ceremony and, and, and just pl- you know, praise his name and lift him up. And, and, and the people of Africa kept his body for, for a long time. And they finally sent the body back to Britain with a note on it that said, you can have his body, but his heart remains for the people of Africa. And they buried his heart because he was a missionary. And he was so committed to pr- proclaiming and glorifying God's name. And his life was set apart for God's purpose that he was trying to make disciples of Jesus and laid his life down, gave his whole life for that. Left the comforts of his family and home in Britain to go serve the Lord. And, and that's the kind of commitment that's not just needed in Africa, but in Templeton and Paso and Tascadero on the Central Coast. So where are you going to glorify God's name. And it's through God's work in you for his purpose and his glory. And is your heart for the people on the Central Coast to know Jesus? Do your kids know that? Do they see that? And as we, as we think about this for communion, that it's not your work. You know, as we look at those three phases that you are sanctified. You're continuing to be sanctified, and that's where in First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three, now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're eagerly awaiting, anticipating it, but it's God, the God of peace Himself, who will sanctify you. It's His doing in and through you. And so, as we think now, if you're not a believer and you need to believe in Jesus and be saved, trust in Him now. Don't wait. And if you are a believer and you're like, you know what, my heart is really just full of the world or, or selfish things, I need to surrender that to God. So take this time, take a minute and, and pray and go, okay, Lord, reveal in me where you're going to grow me, what things I need to cut out, what things maybe are tripping me up or I've, I've kind of allowed or what areas I've tried to go and make my own tapestry dress or, or put together a suit. And I just need to surrender to you and, and open the box and put on the new suit and the new dress that you've accomplished through the death and resurrection of your son. And I'll come up in a minute and close this.